Mac Power Users, Episode 43, Back to Backup. Hello, everybody. It's David Sparks, along with Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing great, David. We survived. Yes, we're back from Macworld. We had a great time uh, up in San Francisco at Macworld Expo 2011. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a great vibe in the air this year. I was really excited about Macworld. You know, that first day we were going up the escalators um, a little early before the show floor opened. And I remember looking down, I think you got a picture of this, and seeing just how packed it was waiting for everybody to rush into the Expo Hall. Yeah, you know, Macworld Expo, I think, continues to thrive. Um, there, uh, you know, Apple's not there anymore, but it seems like people have kind of moved on. And there was a lot of attendance and a lot of new friendships made. And I think just a lot of good Mac geekery going on in the building. If you uh, get a chance, you need to get back there next year. But uh, we I did will a live show. I will definitely be back next year. Yeah, you count on it. <laughs> uh, but we did a live show. So that was really fun. Uh, we did one last year. This year, we did one focused on backup. And this show is going to be the recording of that. It is. Um, we were actually the first live show, so we kicked off Macworld, which was really great because I think there was a good vibe in the room, uh, huge attendance, standing room only attendance on the Macworld live stage. And I just think we have to say big thanks to Paul Kent, Kathy Moran, uh, and to all the folks both at IDG and at Macworld Magazine and Macworld.com because they were live streaming our, our episodes. So some of you may have seen that live on the live stream. Um, great stage that they had set up. Not that it was bad in previous years, but they just really outdid themselves this year. Yeah, and they did prove the fact that I have a face made for radio. <laughs> well, so sp- speaking of that, I don't know if it was because we were the first show or, or because there were some some other issues, but uh, there were a few technical issues, and, and unfortunately, the video of the uh, Mac Power users recording was lost. Um, may- maybe David lost it intentionally. I'm not sure. He just says <laughs> it was lost. I never had it. You never had it. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's something went wrong with the the booth. They didn't they didn't get a recording of the video they shot of us. So if anybody was live streaming and happened to capture it, let us know. Yeah, but, we'd love to get a copy. Yeah, but we did get an audio recording, um, and the first few minutes of it are not very good because there were some technical issues there as well. But it got sorted out in about six minutes. So yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna play that now. We're going to clean up the audio recording as best we can, but just keep in mind the first couple of minutes are a little rough. Hang in there, and it they, they flipped the feed. I think what happened is they had it open to the floor mic, and then they flipped it, and then we got the um, uh, we got the actual plug-in feed after the first couple of minutes or so. So just bear with us for the first couple of minutes, and it gets a lot better. Yeah, and a thanks to Adam Christensen, who was responsible for making sure it got fixed. Yeah, Adam Christensen was there watching it for us and uh, actually participated in the show a little bit and, and caught the error and said, oh, that's not right, and was able to get it fixed. So thank you very much, Adam. So hang in there for the first six minutes. We're going to cut out of the show to put the ad spots in uh, because the ad spots we did in the show were giveaways, and that's not going to be very interesting to you listening. Uh, so without further ado, here is live from the Macworld Show Floor 2011 Back to backup. Um, so we're going to talk about backup, and you know the first question is why is backup important? So Katie, why do you think backups important? Well, there are really two types of hard drives in this world. There are those that have have died, and those that will die. How many people here have experienced a hard drive failure? Yeah, that, that's pretty much everybody in the room. Those of you whose hands aren't up, you will <laughs> have no fear. And you know, the other thing is. 
the, the, the family here at Macro Expo are the true believers. Uh, I bet how many people here are the person that everyone in the family calls when something goes wrong? Every hand goes up. Okay. So uh, you need to know the backup stuff because not only do you have to take care of yourself, you have to take care of your entire family. Because I know in case of my family, whenever a hard drive fails, it's ultimately my fault. So we thought we'd talk about, you know, what are the basics of backup? You know, um, uh, there's different ways you can do it. Uh, the first way you do it is the traditional. You plug uh, some kind of device into your computer and you make a backup from there. The other way you can do it that people talk about, we'll talk about later, is off-site backup. And that's taking your data and saving it somewhere off into the cloud or some external location. And then when you talk about the local drives, you say, well, is it a mirror image of your drive or is it incremental? So that's kind of an overview of what we want to talk about. But let's start uh, first with uh, Katie talking about developing your backup plan. Yeah, really when you develop a, a backup plan, you've got to think about a couple of things. And and backup, there's no, I can't say this is going to be your backup plan and this is going to be your backup plan and this one one model fits all. It's, it's going to vary for every person and you've got to figure out what, what is my tolerance for risk? What is the level of inconvenience that I'm going to have based on, on you know, having to go and perform and do these backup plans? And how much downtime am I, am I willing to tolerate? How mission critical is this data? Is this the type of stuff that if I lose a day's worth of work, it's not going to be that big of a deal? Or is this the kind of stuff that if I lose 15 minutes worth of work, you know, it's going to be a big deal? But you know, there are a couple of elements that we'll talk about that, that make a good backup plan. And then you kind of take all of these elements into consideration to determining what you need to make your good backup plan. So you've got to first you've got to figure out what, what is your level of risk tolerance? How much stuff are you willing to risk? And then a good backup plan has to be comprehensive. You know, if you back up all of your music files but not all of your photo files, you've probably got a problem in your backup plan. Another issue with backup, you want to make sure you look into, is this something that I will actually do? Because it's really easy to make a backup plan, but if you don't use it, it doesn't work. As an example, I have a family member, and as a condition, whenever I set up somebody's new Mac, I say, my fee for charging your, uh, setting up your new Mac for you is you have to show up to my house or you have to have a backup drive before I start. And then I set them up with Time Machine because that's easy enough to do and everybody can do it. But a, a family member of mine who, who paid the fee, bought the backup drive, never plugged it in. And then she called me and the, and the drive failed and she lost all her pictures because she didn't plug it in. So when you make your backup strategy, I think it's also important. Is this something that I'm going to actually follow through with and do? That's something you need to consider. Right, and, and automation, I think, is really key because the more idiot-proof you make these things, the better. If you're constantly having to go push a button or plug in a drive or do something, you're much less likely to do it. And I would also say redundancy is key um, because, you know, Murphy's Law happens and odds are if you've got a lightning strike and it's going to kill one backup drive in your house, that, you know, lightning does freaky things. Anybody who's ever been struck by lightning knows that it pops over things and it like, you know, skips your telephone, but it fries both of your backup hard drives at the same time. So redundancy is really key in any kind of backup strategy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So. All right. So first up, we do want to thank our sponsor, Smile, who we had an opportunity to spend some time with at Macworld and hang out at their booth and saw a lot of you come up to us uh, at the Smile booth. So we want to thank them for that opportunity. Yeah, and this week we're going to talk about Smile's PDF Pen uh, application. I talked a lot about PDF Pen in my Going Paperless presentation that I gave at Macworld because a lot of what we talked about is what do you do to continue on going with a paperless life. And one of the things that I use PDF Pen 
for all the time is is to try to to stay as paperless as possible by filling out PDF forms, by creating PDF forms, uh, by dragging my signature and signing forms electronically on my Mac, and then either uh, faxing them with their companion product page sender or sending them back via email uh, as a PDF. And PDF Pen really gives me the ability to stay within my Mac and stay within that paperless ecosystem. And I had a lot of people ask me, you know, why why use PDF Pen? Why not use a, a, a product like Adobe Acrobat? And that's just kind of a softball pitch to you, David. Yeah, well, it's the problem is Acrobat is really, really expensive. And for the features that Acrobat has, and it does have some features that PDF Pen doesn't have, uh, you have to really need those because PDF Pen has 90% of the features that, that I think most people need. Uh, I guess, let me rephrase that, has 90% of the general PDF features, which is more than most people need, and it's at a fraction of the price. I use PDF Pen all the time. I also like the way it's really a native Mac app. It's not some kind of port from a PC, and it feels like a native Mac app. It's 64-bit, it deskews. I use it all the time for work. So uh, I recommend checking out PDF Pen. They've got a free trial. They're now in the App Store. So uh, if you want the free trial, you have to go to their website at smilesoftware.com. But it's probably all you need at a fraction of the price. So go check it out. And thanks, Smile, for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And you also have to worry about all those bugs in Adobe software. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, lots of security issues there. All right, so let's return to the show. Okay, so let's get back to backup. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the common backup stream. Thank you for coming. Um, The Apple built-in backup method is Time Machine. That's been built in pretty much every Mac since uh, 10.5 level. Yeah, yeah. Um, time Machine is one of my favorite methods of backup just because it's so easy. Yeah. You know, you, you plug in a hard drive and it says, oh, I found a new hard drive. Do you want to use this for Time Machine backup? You click a little button and it says yes. So as so a show of hands, how many people use Time Machine? Isn't it a great service? I think it's one of the single best things Apple ever did because it was so hard to figure out backup. And it's not necessarily that Time Machine is the greatest thing on earth, but it makes it really easy. You take a blank hard drive, you plug it in your Mac, and a little screen comes up and it says, do you want to back up? And you click yes. I, I don't know how you can make it any easier. One of the things I really like about Time Machine is it allows versioning, which means I've got this problem where I'm working on a document, and I, I want to do a document that's kind of similar to it, so I make all these changes, and I say, well, surely I'll remember to click the Save As button and not the Save button. And you know what? I never do. I always hit that save button because it's just muscle memory. And boom, there goes my original document. You pop into Time Machine, you pull out the original catastrophe averted. Yeah, so we have Time Machine and it allows you to go pull an old version of something. And with me, what happens is I do a lot of writing in my day job. And I get these streaks where I'll have something really good. And then I'll spend the next three hours completely screwing it up. And uh, and I save those as I go back. And then at some point, you know... um, common sense hits me and says, wow, if I could just turn back the clock three hours and go back to what I started with, it's probably better. So I can go back and pull it out with Time Machine. Now, I saw a lot of people use Time Machine. How many people use that versioning where they go back and pull old files? Yeah. Okay, so you know, not that many people have used it, but it's there if you ever need it. The trick with Time Machine is to make sure you get a big enough hard drive to handle it. Because it's taking versions, if you have a um, 200 gigabyte hard drive you need, you've got to get a bigger hard drive than 200 to back it up because you're going to be keeping versions so uh, the general rule of thumb if you can use Time Machine is get a hard drive twice as big as your internal drive at least twice, if you can go bigger, I mean hard drive space is cheap, go yeah. bigger and then another trick with Time Machine is if you're a, like a podcast listener you listen to a lot of data that, that you get in and you don't necessarily want to keep forever you can exclude those folders from your Time Machine backup 
and that'll help keep that space on your hard drive. Right. Now, there's a couple things about Time Machine we don't like, though. Yeah, you know, Time Machine isn't the be-all and end-all. I mean, for one thing, it kicks off every hour. So if you're in the middle of doing something that's very processor-intensive, you know, especially if you're doing it wirelessly off of one of these time capsule devices, you know, every hour you kind of get this little delay as it accesses the network and goes and does its backup. So that can be a little annoying, but there's some little tools that you can use. I use a little product called Time Machine Editor um, that, will, that will solve some of that problems. The other thing is that it can take a little longer to recover from a time machine backup. You know, if I have a hard drive completely fail and my only backup is a time machine backup, I'm out of work until I get that hard drive in my Mac fixed. I can't work off of that time machine backup. So I've got to get the hard drive in my Mac fixed, restore my data from the time machine backup, and then go. Now, no question, that is absolutely better than not having a backup. I mean, that's, that's the difference between inconvenience and catastrophe. But it's, you know, I'm still, I've lost, you know, however many hours it takes to, to get that hard drive replaced. And, you know, hey, I've got a MacBook Air, so that's going to take me some time to get that hard drive hard drive replaced. So it's just that you have to wait three hours. I don't know. Have you seen those little pentalobe screws you got to get out of the back of the MacBook Air? Well, I'm talking about the restore. Once oh, you yeah. do the restore, it's not that bad. I, I don't think it's that bad. It's pretty good. Uh, but there are uh, other solutions. And I thought another thing we could talk about is what we call cloning backups. And a clone backup is instead of Time Machine that makes incremental backups, a clone uh, backup system makes a mirror image of your hard drive. So it takes whatever's on your hard drive and it makes an exact copy on a backup drive. And that's a great solution. Uh, two of my favorite vendors for that is... Uh, is uh, Super Duper. Yeah, Super Duper and Carbon Copy Carbon Cloner. Carbon Copy Cloner. Those are probably the two uh, most reliable. Uh, Super Duper is, uh, you pay for it, it's got a license, and it's got a lot of support. So I generally use that one. I think it's about 25 bucks. And it's twenty seven ninety five from yeah, Shirt so Pocket. When you've got your uh, backup, I think it's important to have something that's actively developed, so that's the one I use. But what SuperDuper does is you plug it into your Mac, and it's pretty simple, too. They've, they've really refined the user interface. And it says, okay, you boot up SuperDuper, and it says, do you want me to make a mirror image of your hard drive? And you click yes, and it does, and it grinds away for an hour or two, and it's done. Now, the benefit of that is that if your hard drive fails, you can take that SuperDuper drive and even plug it into a different Mac and just boot from it, and it's like having your computer. It's just a total backup of your computer. Now, here's the downside, is it is an exact snapshot of your Mac of whenever you last did that backup. So let's say you've got something going on and you've got data corruption and you've got something wonky that you don't know about yet. If you've got a good backup over here and you've got something bad going on your Mac over here, yeah, you've just overwritten your good data with whatever bad is going on on your Mac. So that's a potential problem. So I do always tell people, anytime you've got something wacky going on, you know, your first inclination is, I need to make a backup. I need to save as much data as I can. I always have one of those spare hard drives that I can just make a complete separate backup on anytime I kind of got a, a, a fuzzy feeling about something. Yeah. You know, the good news about backup is hard drives have got a lot cheaper. I mean, now you can go to Best Buy and pick up a hard drive for under $100 that will probably back you up. So Yeah, I just bought a one terabyte drive on Black Friday. I think a Seagate for 50 bucks. Yeah, so... so. It doesn't hurt to have a couple extra hard drives to do this on. Yeah. Uh, another nice feature of SuperDuper is they have a built-in scheduling system. So what I do is I have it run in the middle of the night every day. It makes a mirror image of my hard drive on a backup drive that's just always attached to my iMac. And that way, if something bad happens, I've always got a copy that's no more than 24 hours old of my data. Uh, and I can use, you can use this in conjunction with uh, Time Capsule and Time Machine. You don't have to use one exclusively. In fact, I would recommend you use both. 
But uh, having a clone drive is also nice because it's easy to access the files on it. Even if you don't have a, a complete drive failure, but you want to just access certain files from your hard drive, that super duper drive is, is fine. You plug it in, you see all your files. Um, I've done that in the past when I've corrupted system files and I want to just pull those off the last backup, I can do it that way. So I think super duper is a great system. Just out of curiosity, how many people uh, in attendance today use a cloning method for backing up their hard drives? Yeah, See, it looks to me be. almost like there's more people that are doing cloning than Time Machine, or maybe it's the same group. Maybe they're doing both. Yeah, Good for doing you. Doing both. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. So there's one fatal flaw to the Super Duper and the Time Machine and the cl- all of those types of backup methods, and that is that they're probably sitting right next to your computer. And, and this is the problem that we get to. And, and I always, I don't know, maybe I'm morbid. you got to think about worst-case scenario. And people always say, well, what are the odds that there's going to be a flood or a fire or an earthquake? I live in Florida. You know, lightning strikes our house like every other month, it seems. You know, and I don't care how many APCs you got connected or, or how many surge protectors or how many knots you tie in the stupid cable. There's nothing that's protecting you from a direct lightning strike you know, of your house or of the tree in the backyard. And it's, I mean, chances are your computer and anything that's next to it is zapped. Or here's the thing, you know, you got the thug that breaks into your house. If they're going to steal your computer, chances are if they've got time, they're going to steal anything valuable that's sitting next to it, you know, like the backup hard drives as well. So the problem is, is that if you've got your backup and your computer kind of sitting right there next to each other, they're kind of prime targets to be taken together. So... In my opinion, a comprehensive backup strategy really doesn't exist until you have some kind of offsite component. Now, whether that's offsite to the cloud or offsite to a trusted friend or a relative's house or offsite to your place of business or a safe deposit box or wherever you can get it offsite, there needs to be some kind of offsite component, at least to the files where you say, gosh, I'd really be kicking myself if I lost those. Yeah, and you know, I, I remember this call I got from a friend. She lost, she had a hard drive failure in her MacBook. She lost all of her high school and college photographs. No. And she called me in tears. And there was nothing we could do. I mean, there's drive savers. So we'll talk about that later. But generally, if you don't have that stuff backed up, it's just gone. So uh, off-site backup, there's the two primary methods that Katie talked about. Is One is online. The other one is, is a friend. Um, online is kind of emerging. In fact, I believe there's some vendors here that are going to be talking to you about uh, online backup. But what it is, it's, a, it's an application you install on your Mac, and if you've got a good internet connection, that's important. It will take files on your Mac or your whole Mac and upload it to somewhere in the internet, maybe, you know, uh, hopefully somewhere in the United States, if you're from the U.S., you want it done locally. And then they, uh, they store that for you, and then you can ba- download pieces of it back, or for a fee, you can pay them and they'll ship you a hard drive with that on it. So... In the worst case scenario where the uh, crook breaks into your house and takes your Mac and takes your backup hard drive and everything's gone, you make a phone call and in the mail you get your hard drive back. And that's a great idea. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of these services yet because every time I try them, they make me, you know, want to, they want to put me in a home because it takes so long to upload this stuff. Uh, You know, it just goes over and over and you're looking at your Mac constantly trickling and trickling. It's like waiting for a pot to boil for like five months, you know. Uh, so it, it's kind of nutty. You must but have more data than they're getting, they're getting better at it. Yeah. So you, now you're using an online service. I right? am using an online service. Now there, there are a bunch to choose from, and a lot of these have tried before you buy services. Um, right now I'm using one called Crash Plan. I think they're here at the show. I personally am very happy with them. I've used a couple. 
uh, and they all have a little different features and a little different pricing structure, so you just kind of have to find the one that works best yeah, for the, you. Most of them are dirt cheap, though. I mean, it's about five bucks a month, and it'll back up everything on your hard drive. So if I had a little more patience, it probably would be worth it to me. Yeah, uh, but, but you also have to check with your ISP. I mean, if you've got data caps or throttling or, or issues like that, um, that's going to be a, a bigger issue. You know, the other the other thing you can do, though, de- depending on, on your circumstances, you know, if you are in the position where you can take your laptop into work and make a clone backup, or you can, you know, cycle through hard drives at work or through a friend's house or to a trusted family member's house or something like that, that's it, also a viable solution. You know, that's what I did, because I, I tried a backup service about three years ago, and it was too slow, and I didn't really believe it was working. And I shoot pictures in RAW format. Are we got any RAW photographers here? I mean, yeah. you guys know, you take these massive sized pictures and the idea of backing that up to the internet will just make you crazy until they get faster speeds. And I figured out, it costs me $60 a year to do this online service. For 60 bucks, I could go down and buy a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Probably more and then, and Well, that was three years ago. Now you yeah. can probably get a bigger one. And uh, so what I do is I, I take this drive, I back up my Aperture library, my family video, a few you know important records to it. It all fits easily in 500 gigabytes. And then I drive over to my sister-in-law's house, who's a sweetheart, and she puts it in the closet for me. Mm-hmm. And then I have an OmniFocus task every month, go over there, bring her some tea, get my hard drive back, and I go home and I redo it and I bring it back to her. If I was really smart, I would have two of them. So yeah. I would just cycle them, and I, but I haven't got that smart yet. But either way, I mean, that works for me, and that's a good way. So you don't have to go crazy with an online service, but I strongly recommend you have an off-site backup plan because, you know, what's more important to you than your pictures? I mean, you know, uh, everybody has a point in their life. I live Where I live, we had uh, wildfires a few years ago, and we were told we had an hour to get out of the house. We took all the pictures off the walls, you know. So when, you know, the rubber meets the road, you've got to take care of that stuff. So why wouldn't you have it backed up off-site? You know, it's so important. So Now, the, the key to that is, though, but you've got to remember to do it. You've got to be consistent about it. Yeah. Um, and, and this is really where I think automation is the key to that. I use an online backup service because I won't every month do that. I just don't have the... Um, you know, the, the mental fortitude to do that every month. Enough. I guess I'm not anal retentive enough. You yeah. would have think that I would have been, but yeah. that's why I use them. But, you know, to the extent that you can, using a service um, like uh, ChronoSync or... Uh, yeah, or SuperSync. SuperSync right there. Yeah, SuperSync yeah. or one of the other yeah. But, yeah, sync get, services to yeah, do you this you get one program. of these services where you can set up a, a basically a script where it does it for you so you don't have to manually drag this stuff over. There's a lot of applications that'll make that, that off-site hard drive backup for you automatically. Yeah. Now, what do you think about backing up to CDs and DVDs? I'm not as much a fan of that these days. Yeah. I guess it has its place. Well, everybody used to do it, right? We all used to go and uh, to uh, buy the spindle of CDs and we'd save our stuff to it and our pictures. And then we all hear about bit rot, where you make a CD and it worked, you tested it, everything was great. And then, like, three years later, when you actually need it, it doesn't work anymore. And um, I don't know, you know, nobody will give me a straight answer of how long those discs are supposed to last. But I don't want to be the one to decide. I don't want to find out the hard way. So so I don't really use them much. But uh, you can use them. And it's great for sharing with a friend for a temporary source. Uh, Even, like, a USB drive is a great source. Uh, We just had our, for the holidays, my family... We had a USB drive, and we backed up everybody's pictures to it, and we went around. But then we immediately went to each computer and put them on each computer as well. Right. I mean, you know, the thing is, hard drives are so cheap now that there's no excuse not to have a couple copies of your data. Right. 
Um, I'm a big fan of, if, if you are buying these hard drives, I'm a big fan of buying them with multiple interfaces. Yeah. You know, I know that it's cheapest if you just buy the cheap USB hard drives that have just the USB-only interfaces. Uh, you know, but I've run into situations where I've upgraded computers or I've had software updates where bad things have happened and all of a sudden maybe I can't get a drive to recognize by its USB interface, but it will, inter- you know, will recognize by its FireWire interface. Yeah, and the other thing, if you're going to do the backup on hard drives, spin them up once in a while. Um, if you leave a hard drive at rest for a long time, sometimes it stays at rest. You know, they're, they're made to keep moving. So make sure you run them up once in a while. If, you, if you've got several, don't just cycle it every six months or you may find a surprise. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so there are also some of these specialized backup tools. You know, Apple makes one called a time capsule yeah. that I use. I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Time capsule is great, especially if you've got a house full of laptops. I really am a big fan of the Apple routers. I, I think Apple makes some great routers. And the Time Capsule is basically an Apple Airport Extreme router uh, with a one terabyte or a two terabyte hard drive built in yeah. that uses Time Machine to wirelessly back up your machines to that Time Capsule. So. We're, we're going to take questions at the end, so if you don't mind. But, uh, they, but we got to get some microphones around. Yeah, the, so. Uh, the, so the Apple Time Capsule is a wireless solution. And this is why I love it. Um, I'm a nerd in a house of non-nerds, right? And I bet there's, I'm not the only one in the room. I'll admit it. Okay. So when your family members, children, parents, uh, spouses uh, have computers and they are not as crazy about this stuff as you, inevitably their drive is going to fail and they're not going to have bothered to plug it into Time Machine or do a super duper. But if you have a time capsule in your house, it does it without them realizing it. My wife has been backing up her computer every hour for the last three years and unless she's watching this, she still has no clue she's doing that. <laughs> so that's the beauty of the, the time capsule is anybody that's on your network, it just does it. And the first one is always tough because it's wireless. And obviously, wireless data doesn't move as fast as a FireWire cable or even a USB cable. So the trick is when you're setting up someone in your house, uh, put it on after they go to bed and just let it do the first thing overnight and afterwards it's, it's golden it just runs right. uh, so I, I'm a big fan of it as well um, it I know- had some problems initially I will say that I had, an, a, I had one of the original time capsules that was a little wonky on me and I, I had some problems with the uh, the backups I don't know getting corrupted after a while or not wanting to back up after a while um, and it was the original 500 gig model but as soon as I got rid of that I've, I've now got a one terabyte model that's a newer version and and I've, I've had no problems with it ever since I've had that newer version. So I'm yeah. not sure if I just got a bad one or yeah. and the new versions the technology have the, has improved. The, the dual radios. you got the fancy oh, one. Oh, yeah. I yeah, have yeah. the old one. But the, the other thing about this is there's some stuff on the Internet about ways you can attach a hard drive to an existing Airport Extreme. Does anybody here use the Airport Extreme, the uh, Apple router? So there's, yeah. there's, some, there's some stuff on the Internet about how you can make that work. I recommend you don't do it. Because I've heard a lot of people who thought it worked and it didn't. I mean, if you really want that solution, I'm sad to say you just got to spend the money and buy Apple's version. And that's the way Apple likes it, I guess. But, you know, it just works. You guys Um, are all here at Macworld. You you don't mind buying Apple toys. I know how it works. You know, but you don't have to go to Apple. There's some other great network detached storage solutions. Some of them are even here at the show. Yeah, OWC's got a booth. I know they've got a bunch of RAID solutions. Yeah, you know, where you've got a RAID array where it, it will make two copies on one drive. So it'll mirror... You could, like, in addition to mirroring your computer, it'll mirror the data right in the unit. And um, Drobo's here as well. Drobo's here as well. And they've got a unique RAID solution. 
uh, whereas opposed to having a, a, a true RAID where you have to have the exact same drives and configurations, you know, Drobo's RAID is just pop whatever drives you want in there and we'll figure out the details for you. You know, I bought the very first Drobo here at Macworld. Well, not the first one they sold, but I bought the very first version of it here at Macworld. That was four years ago. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, it's great. You just put drives in and you don't have to have matching drives. A lot of times with these RAID arrays, you've got to have matching drives. Uh, with a Drobo, you can put any size in so you can just upgrade it as you need. Uh, you know, so I started out with like 250 gig drives and over the years, as I've shot more raw photos, uh, I filled it up so I've added more drives in it. So that's the advantage of the Drobo that I have in mind. It's, uh, it's been running a long time and just chugs right along. I like it. Yeah, my only problem with those types of solutions is, again, it's a single point of failure. You know, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket type thing. Yeah. yeah but with a Drobo, you do get, it's, 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 again, it's like a RAID in a, sim, in a way that it has two copies of the data on any two drives at one point. Uh, I live in Southern California. We never have lightning strikes, thankfully. But we did have a power spike, and it blew out the first drive in my Drobo. Oh. And, uh, but... I didn't lose any data. I just went to the store, put a new one in, and it fixed it. All right. Next up, we want to thank our second sponsor, 1Password, who was also live with us on the show floor. So it was good to see them. They gave out some goodies for us. Uh, But this is really the year. If you haven't gotten your 1Password act together yet, now's the time to figure out exactly what you need to do to stop using that same password on the same websites over and over and over again, because it is just a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, and they make it really easy there on all the platforms, whether you're on Windows, Mac, um, iOS, or Android. They've got an application that will track your passwords, automatically fill them in for you, and sync it all using Dropbox. Yeah, that's the greatest feature is that it all just stays in sync automatically behind the scenes using Dropbox. So you never – this was really my biggest barrier to, to going with a completely random, secure password is I was always afraid no matter where I was – I wasn't going to have access to my one password that I needed some at some point in time. I was going to be someplace where I didn't need my password, where I, didn't, where I needed a password and I didn't have it. And that's really a moot point now. Now that they're everywhere, now that my iPhone is always in my pocket, my iPad is almost always in my bag, and as long as I've got that one password app and I've got one password syncing in the background via Dropbox, I'm never without a password, even if it's a password I just created a few minutes ago. Yeah, you know, another nice thing about 1Password, if you're listening to the show, you're probably already using it, but uh, maybe it's time for you to convert some others because I think one of the best things you can do for family and friends is get them on a secure password system. Um, my wife, who's the anti-geek, you know, she's not interested in any of this stuff, but uh, about a year ago I got her on 1Password and she's, she uses it all the time and she loves it. So it's easy technology to adopt and teach. So um, help a friend out and get them set up on 1Password as well. And I guess the uh, reality is, because if there's a problem, you're going to be the one dealing with it. Well, not only that, you're doing them a favor, because a lot of people just don't know how to use a secure password system, and 1Password makes it so easy. So you can download it from 1Password.com for $40. You can also get it from for your iOS devices from the App Store. There's uh, versions for the iPad and for the iPhone, which are each $10, or you can get a universal version for $15. Yeah, that's the way to go with the universal version if you've got both an iPad and an iPhone. So thank you, 1Password, for sponsoring the podcast, and uh, let's return to the show. We've kind of covered the basics of backing up, but now we'd like to talk about security and backup, because uh, in addition to having a backup, you know, security is a question when you're putting all your files somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Well, because you also want to make up, you know, you've probably got some kind of security going on with your Mac. Hopefully, hopefully you've got it password protected. 
you know, hopefully you've got it locked down some way. Um, but but your, your backup may or may not be locked down. Um, so you need to give some thought to that. If you've just got a backup drive with all of your data stuck on it, um, you really need to make sure that you give some thought to how you have that backed up. Um, there, there are a couple of methods. I know, David, you use a solution called PGP. Yeah, PGP is a... Well, that encrypts my drive on my Mac, but right. you can also... I don't use PGP on the drive that it backs up to. I actually run a script to disable it for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, but, you know, that's the reason why uh, when you use an off-site backup, it really has to be someone you trust. Uh, I don't recommend taking it to work and sticking it in a drawer because there's cleaning people and there's... Co- you know, you don't want all that stuff available to anybody who takes it. If you're going to do an off-site backup, make sure it's somebody that you really trust. Yeah, I mean, unless you work like in a lockdown facility where you can secure things. So. Uh, in, in terms of at home, if you've got a time machine connected to your computer, uh, I, I don't really worry too much about security on that. If someone's going to steal your computer, they're going to get your data, you know? Uh, you know they they're can, not getting my data. Yeah, well, usually, so... <laughs> Um, most of these, um, most of these two also have. Are you all familiar with the little Kensington security locks? There's a little slot in the back of a lot of these things where you can physically bolt them down. Um, if if you've got a lock, usually these locks are about twenty five bucks where you can lock them down to something. But but the point is, you need to think about it. And the solution to this is, if I have any real secure data on my computer, it's usually stored inside an encrypted disk image. So um, our point is something that you just need to give some thought to security in your backups. I thought maybe it'd be good, Katie, if you just share your backup plan with everybody so they can get an idea of how you do it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about our backup plans, and then maybe we'll talk about some kind of suggested you know, yeah. backup plans if, if we yeah. have time. Yeah. Um, so basically, what I do is I, I have kind of a three-tiered approach. Um, I have a, a, a backup with time machine that backups to a, uh, a time capsule, and that's, that's one level of backup. I also have a super-duper backup that backups to a separate hard drive, so I've got a time capsule and a separate super duper backup that's going on um, once a day. It kicks off automatically again overnight, so I've got a daily clone backup. Um, I also use a product called Crash Plan, which backs up all my data to the cloud uh, constantly. It, I've got it set to, to update my data regularly, and what I really like about that product is that as long as my computer is on, it's, it's backing up data. It runs as root, um, so even if I'm, I'm logged out of my computer, it will still back up my data so my computer can be locked and it's, it's still backing up data. Um, and then I have um, a secondary clone backup uh, to a portable hard drive that I, I keep and I move around different places. Uh, and then I have a, a third hard drive that I have just for what I call my, my most important files, you know, my family photos and my family videos and things like that, um, that I, I use a ChronoSync script to back up my very important things to that. And I'm, I'm adding a Drobo to the equation a little later, so you're just as nuts as I am. Oh, I, I hope. Well, I think we'll see. You're pretty nuts too. <laughs> well, I, I'm like that too. I use a time machine, and the way I do it, I have an iMac, and I, I also have a laptop. So, the iMac has a FireWire connected drive that gets the time machine backup that's always running, and then I use a super duper scheduler, like I said earlier, that runs it once a day, and then I also uh, use the offsite backup that I talked about in terms of the moving the drive to a friend and. You know, something we didn't talk about is Dropbox is really kind of a type of backup because I have a lot of my key files always in my Dropbox folder and that backs up there. You know, I was talking earlier, um, Adam Christensen's here from the MacCast. Everybody know, listen to the MacCast. It's one of the best podcasts out there. 
Yeah. And uh, and Adam was telling me his backup plan, so we thought we'd have him share with us too. So we kind of have a guest. Yeah, because it feels kind of like Letterman up here with these couches. Yeah. So uh, Adam, if we can get Adam the mic, he can tell us his backup plan. Hello, Tech One Two. Oh, there I am. Yeah, uh, should come I come up, up there? Yeah. yeah. Come on up. Oh gosh, you guys are gonna embarrass me. <laughs> So I'm pretty much the same as, as I think, uh, as, as both of you. Um, I do the time machine. So I have that on, on my Macs with an external FireWire drive. And I do the super-duper clone so that I can get back up and running quickly. And then I also just Wait, started... You guys, can we turn oh, them up? Sorry, I also just started using... So let me go over that again real quick. Okay, so I do the same thing pretty much as Katie and David. I do the, the time machine backup that's on my machines, and so I have that to go back and get any files that I may have accidentally, ex- accidentally deleted. It's great if you lost an email. I've, I've had, my wife's machine has it as well, and she's lost emails, and we've been able to go back and recover those. Uh, same thing with photos and iPhoto, so it's great for that. Um, so then secondarily, the super-duper clone backup so that I, we can get back up and running because I work at home, so I, need to, I can't have downtime in my business. I I need to be able to go back up and running. And then I just added Crash Plan as well, mm-hmm. um, which is a great service. And one thing I wanted to comment, you guys, you guys talked about the fact that it does take a long time. Even with a fast internet connection, um, I backed up about 300 gigabytes of data on my Crash Plan. It took about 28 days, I think, to do the full backup of that. But the point is, is, is Crash Plan smart about it. It starts backing up your most recently edited or changed files first. So immediately day one, I had you know 20 gigabytes or, or megabytes or whatever, 50 megabytes, 100 megabytes, because it's always running in the background. So every day you're getting more and more backed up, and every day you're better backed up than you were the day before. So you really have to think about it that way. And then once it's done, now every day it just updates the changed files, the things that changed, and it's backed up 100% every day. So get, once you get through that first part, you're covered, and now you have that stuff off-site. So that's kind of what I do. You know, I'm convinced now. I'm going to give online backup another try. Yeah. Well, it, you do have to, and this is the other part of it, and you guys mentioned this too, is that you have to do a data assessment. I, I talk about doing, you have to look at your data and what's really important. You don't need to put everything in the cloud. And if you have another solution, like David, you were mentioning the raw files, maybe those aren't ideal for backing up to the cloud, but you have another solution for those. Yeah. But you can back up to the cloud, maybe your documents folder or things in your user folder or your iTunes or something like that. Yeah. So you just yeah. have to make that assessment and figure out what goes where and certain types of backup are appropriate for certain types of data. You know, I thought what we'd do is... Uh, thanks, Adam. Yeah, yeah no, stay up stay, here. Stay, stay up here for a minute. But I thought what we do is also talk about some ideal backup plans for other people. Um, like if you like fit I said, in a certain category. You're at Macworld. You're at the sharp end of the stick. You're the one giving advice to people. Right. So we thought, let's talk about a college student. Because if you're sending someone off to college or have a friend who's in college, what's a backup plan understanding that they're not going to do all the things we just talked about? Right. Now, I, my suggestion is if you're a college student, I, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm thinking your stereotypical college student who probably lives in a dorm or a shared living type situation. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking crash plan or one of these off-site solutions is probably an ideal solution for a college student because you, you set it on your computer, you tell them to just run it, they don't have to think about it, we're getting the five-minute warning. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then they go with it. So I like a solution like that. Uh, Adam, any thoughts? Um. Yeah, the lockdown thing that you were talking about earlier was probably important if you're a college student. That, that kind of security, not related to backup, but like you probably want to be locking yeah. down your, your devices, right? Uh, well, you know, another thing to do, I talked about Dropbox earlier. If you've got a student in your house, even just in high school or elementary, whatever, 
make sure they use their data file. Get a Dropbox account. It's free for two gigabytes. Make sure they save their documents to dro- the Dropbox folder instead of the documents folder on the Mac. Right. Uh, my niece, uh, I did this for her when she was in college, and now she's graduated. She's a science teacher, right? So she's giving the science lesson on magnets to her class with next to her Mac. And the magnets got too close to the hard drive. And she called me in tears because her master's thesis was on her Mac. And I said, you are still saving to the Dropbox folder, right? Yeah. And now I am her very favorite uncle in the world for life. There you go. There you go. Another thing I'll mention uh, with CrashPlan, and this didn't come up, CrashPlan has an option where you can actually back up to a friend's computer. So you could take your external hard drive. This might be great for a student. They could leave an external hard drive connected to a Mac at home, use CrashPlan at school, and have, rather than going over the cloud to CrashPlan servers, they could have it go over the cloud to that computer at home so they would have the backup there. Yeah. So that's another option. And that's, that's free. With the CrashPlan cloud service, you do have to pay a, a yearly fee, but right. it's very, very nominal. Now, if you're setting up a solution for somebody else, you know, someone who's not technically savvy, or if someone's only going to do one thing, you know, they're not going to do the clone and the offsite and the blah, blah, Time blah. Time machine. One there thing, you go. Time one machine. thing. If you only do one thing, do you yeah. agree? I think that's it. Time machine. Yeah. And, and that's just simply because, you know, not to say that Time Machine's better than a clone backup or anything like that, just because it's set it and forget it. Yeah, because you plug it in, and if it's an iMac, you hide it behind the iMac so they forget it's plugged in. Yeah. Okay, now we actually, so we're running out of time. We have the last, we didn't give away Omni stuff, right? Thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. Adam Christensen from the MacCast, folks. Well, I'll I'll run the mic for you if you want. Oh, okay. And our last sponsor for today is the Omni Group. Now, David, you spent a lot of time at the Omni Group uh, during Macworld. I saw two of your presentations. They were excellent, by the way. Uh, And I understand they're going to be releasing the video of those presentations on their website in the near future. Yeah, I heard that, and and frankly, I wasn't really that happy with those presentations because the uh, the audio was kind of messed up, and I couldn't get. I wanted to show how fast you can work through OmniFocus, but I had to use one handheld microphone, which caused all sorts of grief in my mind, at least. But it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of OmniFocus users, and it you know it's really amazing how well that application works for people. And when you start talking to people who are are, are familiar with how OmniFocus works, um, it really can make a difference for them. So you did uh, fine. It was great. Yeah. That was good. And then also I Merlin, you know, our favorite workflow guest was also there and he talked about some of his favorite OmniFocus tricks too. And we have told people Merlin is coming back, right? Yeah, we we've made reference to it, but now it's booked, so it'll happen in the next few months so long Yee-hoo. as everything works out. So OmniFocus to me is the task management application without a ceiling. It's as powerful as you need it to be, although it can be simple as well once you figure out how to put it all together. Uh I'm going to be doing a, an extended screencast on it. I've been waiting because, you know, there are a lot of people who say, I really want to get into OmniFocus, but it's, you know, it just, it, it looks hard. Yeah, you know, it's not that hard, really. I, I would recommend to start out going to Don McAllister's screencast online. He's got some free episodes up there that give you the basics, but I'm going to do my Ninja Tricks screencast and I'm actually starting it this afternoon. I'm going to start recording. So it should be out by the end of February and we're going to put it in the Mac Power Users feed, so be watching for that. And I'm going to talk about all the stuff I do to make it really sing for me. Uh, but anyway, you can get OmniFocus. Uh, you can get it in the Mac App Store for $80 for your Mac. You can get it for $40 on your iPad in the uh, App Store or $20 on your phone. Uh, it's a great application. Everything works together. It wirelessly syncs. I think it's the best solution for task management on the Mac without question. So thank you, Omni Group, for sponsoring the show. Well, Katie, it was a a blast seeing you again at Macworld this year. 
It's always fun to get together. I mean, it's always fun to talk with you on on Skype a couple of times a month, but it's it's great to get together those one or two times a year that we're able to do it. Yeah, and you know, it's so exciting talking on the show floor. I mean, I have to admit, when I sat down there uh, on the couch, you know, like it was on the Letterman show or something, and you see all these people standing out there, and I just looked at you and I thought, you know, we made uh, it. Yeah, we did it. You know, we started this podcast kind of just to prove it could be done. And here we are. And it, I was really excited and it was great for my ego. <laughs> well, a lot has happened in the last year since the last Mac world. Uh, we, we've been able to do a lot with the show. We started the workflows in the last year. Uh, you know, Mac world is kind of what I use as a benchmark and, and we've come a long way in the last year. We've gotten some great sponsors, uh, who have helped us along the way. So my thanks to them, my thanks to all the listeners, uh, who have helped us along the way. And Macworld was really a great planning session for us because I think we lined up some pretty cool workflow guests. Yeah, I don't want to spoil any We're surprises. not going to spoil any surprises, but I just got to say, when you're sitting in the speaker's lounge having a conversation and someone who I've idolized as a, a Mac genius for a long time, who I think probably doesn't know who, who I am, turns around and says, you're Katie Floyd. I just go, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. And we, so we've got some great guests lined up, and uh, it's going to be a good 2011 for the Mac Power users. I'm looking forward to sharing that stuff with the listeners as we go forward. Exactly. So in the meantime, how do you get a hold of us? Uh, well, you can uh, find all of our show notes, everything we talk about on our website. That's at www.macpowerusers.com. You can also send us an email. It's feedback at macpowerusers.com. Uh, or we do have a Google Voice number. That number is 706 457 69 37 or 70645 power. There's also a link on our website and it will call you. And you can also get us on Twitter. It's at Mac Power Users. Or I'm at Katie Floyd. And I'm at Max Sparky. And lastly, we're also on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash Mac Power Users. Be sure you friend us on Facebook because I think I'm going to try to post some of our uh, Macworld pictures up on Facebook. That seems to be a good platform to do it. And I think, I think most people except you are probably on Facebook these days. I know I'm starting to feel the draw. My my daughter is on it. I kind of want to keep an eye on her. And Eddie over at Practically Efficient did a nice post the other day that made a good point of why I should do it, even though I'm not really a big fan. But we'll see. Yeah. All I right. get a little closer every time we talk about this. Uh, so what's next? Uh, next, we're going to talk all about taking notes, taking notes on the iPad, taking notes on the Mac. I guess maybe even a little bit taking notes on the iPhone. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a good show. So if you've got some thoughts, I've been, in prepping for the show, I've been downloading a bunch of note-taking apps on the iPad, and I'm curious to hear what your favorites are. So send me a note uh, at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Uh, anyway, uh, I can't wait to see, uh, to get that show recorded. It was great seeing you at Macworld, and I hope everybody that's listening can make it next year and see us there. <laughs>